Blog Talk Radio. Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our new episode of Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm your host, Russell Hartman. Joining me today is Mr. Zach Chigger, our Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief. Zach, how you doing, bud? Good, Russ. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Life's been kind of crazy the past few weeks, but things are finally settling down, thank God. But, uh, you know, to move on here, very, very special guest today. Someone who I've wanted on the show for a few months now, and I'm glad we finally got him, thanks to Zach. Uh, Mr. Colin Stevenson, the Rangers beat writer for Newsday, will be joining us very shortly, where we will discuss a numerous amount of topics regarding the team, training camp, the coach, if there's going to be a captain, and so on. Uh, Zach? Thanks for getting Colin to come on, man. It's going to be a good show. And uh, how's everything been with you? I hope well. Yeah, uh, just crazy with the uh, the Jewish holiday schedule. But other than that, it's uh, going well. I am beyond excited that Rangers hockey is back on television and not just in my dreams. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the I wasn't able to watch the game on – Oh, last night um, against the Flyers, but from what I saw Monday night, um, and we'll have a piece um, about this tomorrow uh, on the site as well, that things aren't going to be as uh, doom and gloom as as we think they might be. No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, it's going to be a rough season overall. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get all the wins that a lot of people want but you know in reality it's gonna be a little tough but I think the silver lining is going to be that we get to see a lot of these young guys are gonna step into these roles and even if the team isn't filling up the win column they're gonna be fighting tooth and nail every game uh David Quinn's motto fast relentless you know they're gonna follow this and it seems in these two preseason games that they don't give up you know they've been behind in every game and yeah they lost to Philly but it seems every time they went behind, the drive didn't go away. There was no slowing down. There was no no one looking interested. It was really nice to see from a change from some of the teams we've had in the past that, you know, kind of when you knew the game was over when it was 2-1 or 3-1. And this team, the way they're playing right now, uh, just very small sample size, remember. But I don't get that vibe from them at all. Yeah, and the other the other thing I saw from – just, you know, scanning Twitter and, and all the gifts that were popping up was that something about uh, this new regime includes playing physically, um, including after the whistle, where AV's teams, you know, here and there, maybe, 
you know, a, a push or a shove. But uh, and we saw it last night with Brendan Smith uh, sticking up for John Gilmore, and and you know, you you want to see that kind of play um, throughout your lineup. You definitely do. You definitely want to see that. And uh, it's time for me to welcome our guest to the show. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to welcome our guest to the show, Newsday's own Colin Stevenson. Colin, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm just watching a little island right on. now. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, what? you have been covering the team since, I believe, February, correct? Yeah, my first day at Newsday was literally the day of the trade deadline, so... Wow, hectic um, day to start. My first, <laughs> yeah, like uh, you know, the the my first thing that I did with them was was get on a plane and go to Vancouver and cover that game. So, wow, I mean that's a pretty cool first day. So before we continue, yeah. Colin, I'm Russell. Zach is the one who got you on the show just to say hi. Oh, hi, Zach. Hi, Colin. Hi, How are you? What's going on, fellows? We're great. So, Colin, you've obviously been around the team for a while now. You know, you've seen this transition from the Elaine Vigneault era to the David Quinn era. So our, I guess the first question I want to ask you is um, what have you seen, I guess, what differences can you see within the team or within with the coaching staff from, from Elaine Vigneault to David Quinn? How, how has kind of either the culture changed or the vibe changed around the club? Well, you know, understand that I, I wasn't around for uh, – for Alan's uh, training camp. So I don't know if he was a yeller or a screamer. I'm told he was not. Um, practices were pretty uh, laissez-faire with, uh, with uh, AV. Um, and they're not going to be laissez-faire with this guy. This guy, is, uh, David Quinn, is a, um, uh, an absolute, um, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a chatterbox, really. He's a talker. He's a teacher. He's uh, all about um, – communicating with the players, telling them, you know, what they need to do and how to do it. So um, I think that that's, you know, that's the biggest difference you see is that there is direction now. There's guidance. I think A.V., when he was around and when he first came, you know, it was something of a veteran group. And, you know, you're coaching a veteran group. You don't have to sweat those tiny details. You don't have to, you know, hold the guy's hands and tell him every little thing. Um you know, I mean, he's a guy who's used to coaching college kids, you know, and world juniors and uh, things like that. And and he's a new guy. So he's, he's coming in here. He wants it done a certain way. Um, and uh, he's been, you know, hands-on, if you will, whereas A.V. was most definitely hands-off. So, Colin, one thing that I wanted to ask you, um, and it's kind of a two-part question here. Um, so, obviously – uh, the battle between Philip Hedel and Leas Anderson to make the team. Um, now, David Quinn has said that they're not going to move guys around from their natural position. So, with that being the case, number one, um, if it's only Leas or Philip, which one makes the team? And number two on that would be, if that's the case, how do they reconcile Ryan Spooner and Vlad Nemesnikov and Kevin Hayes and Brett Haddon, who's going to have a shot uh, in the next couple of years, with all those centers and not as many wingers, or at least quality wingers, uh, within the system. 
Well, I, I think, um, first of all, I think uh, that there is um, there's room for both Cheadle and Anderson. They are, they're absolutely different players. Uh, and, um, you know, I like to think that Cheadle, I mean, you saw the goal he scored for the, for the Rangers last night. Uh, against the Flyers, uh, it's one of those guys that can get you up out of your seat. You know, he just does something really spectacular. Uh, Anderson is a little different. Anderson is one of those guys that you appreciate over time because, you know, he does everything right. He makes all these good decisions. He's positionally very sound, defensively very sound. Um, and I think that, you know, they're different players, and I think the way things are shaping up, there's room for both of them to make the team. Now, you mentioned – Guys like Nemesnikov and Spooner played wing since he got here. Nemesnikov uh, played some center when he first uh, when he first got here. You know, the first game I covered was the first game he played. That was the, day, the game after the trade deadline uh, when he came over and scored a goal in Vancouver um, in that win. Um, so he's played more center, but I think you know he also can play wing. So it seems as though he's going to be playing wing. You know, he played wing last night. Uh, he's been playing a wing for the most part in, in training camp. Uh, and it looks like they're going to keep Anderson and Heedle, uh in the middle. Um, the one – now, Brett Howden, I don't know yet. I don't know what if they have room for Howden in addition to Anderson and, and Heedle. Um But from I didn't go to Traverse City, but I'm told that, that Brett Howden was – their best player in Traverse City. So, you know, he sort of earned himself a look, and I know they think very highly of him, and they'll give him a long look. Now, the difference is, you know, and this question has been asked of David Quinn a couple of times or several times, and it's a legitimate question. For a young player, is, you know, what's your philosophy on young players? Would you rather have them here, you know, in sort of a, a limited role, a support role, not getting a ton of ice time? or would you rather have them, you know, playing in Hartford where they're getting a ton of ice time? And Quinn has chosen to answer it, and, and I think it's the right answer is, you know, really it, it's a case-by-case basis. It depends on the kid, you know, it depends on the player. Um, and so, you know, if you want to project and you're going to say, look at those three guys, you know, most people are projecting – Zibanejad is the number one center. Kevin Hayes is the number two. Uh, and Heedle is the, maybe the three. And Anderson as the four. And Howden being the wild card, you could bump one of those two. Probably, you know, more likely Anderson. But you get to a point where with Brett Howden, he's, I don't know, 20 years old or whatever he is, do you really want him playing fourth-line minutes, you know, maybe getting seven minutes a game here? Or would you rather have him playing first line minutes in the AHL? Um, so that's a that's a question that they're going to have to answer among themselves, and a decision they're going to have to make. Now, if you look at Anderson, I think Anderson probably sets up better as a guy who could have less ice time on the NHL team because he kills penalties. So he might not get. Uh, you know, a ton of ice time at even strength, but you know, you presume he'll get ice time on the penalty kill, uh, and he's a good face-off guy, and you know all that. So, um, you know, so you you know, you I could see if I were picking today, which I'm not, 
uh, I, I would say Anderson would be here and Howden would not be here. So, Colin, I'm glad you mentioned Kevin Hayes, too, because I've seen a lot of debate with people on Twitter or even out in the blogosphere about if Brett Howden impresses and if Filipino continues to climb the ranks and if Leah Sanderson keeps up his stellar play, uh, one, does Kevin Hayes shift from the middle to the wing? Would they try that again? Do you get the vibe that they might try something like that? And two, also relating to Kevin Hayes, what's the feeling about his whole contract situation? I know that he says he wants to be there long-term. I know that's kind of what the team is putting out there as well, but is that what you get from this whole thing, or do you think it's possible that he is moved at the deadline in February? Well, I, I think it's entirely possible he's moved at the deadline in February. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe he's going to be moving to the wing. I think the plan is, hey, man, let's – because if you look at their team, it's not that different from the team that they had at the end of last season, right? So right. Uh, right. assuming they'd make room for Heedle and Anderson, you know, and, and, you know, they did sign a couple of European free agents, guys, uh, Meskinen and Lindquist. I don't know, you know, if either or both of those guys is going to figure in the team – um, you know, so th- there's there's some stuff, but the basic nuts and bolts of the team is the same. You got Lundqvist in the goal. You got uh, you know Zabajad and Kreider and um, Jimmy Vc's on the team and Buchnevich and Jesper Fast. I mean, it's pretty much the same team. You know, they might change a few small pieces, um, but it's more or less the same team. So I think that they'll probably keep that team that's the plan anyway for now and then you know see what happens at the trade deadline if they get a good offer for some people then you know certainly they're they're you know happy to let them go um kevin hayes is an interesting one um you know because we don't know you know we'll have to see i mean they'll be working on an extension with him or they'll be moving him at the deadline and you know that is that is a question that is yet to be answered so, Colin, now that you mentioned Meskinen, uh, by the way, great segues. Uh, um, so I read the notes. So, good. That that that's why I scribbled them down as quickly as I could. <laughs> um, so Meskinen, we have Vili Meskinen, we have Michael Lindquist, we have Vinny Letary, Um three young uh, right-handed shots, three guys who could potentially. Um, be that second forward um, in uh, what I like to refer to as Ovi's office on the power play uh, as right. the as the right-handed uh, rocket launcher. Now, obviously, there's only so many spots in, in the lineup. So, if it's only one of them, which one? So, my just to give you my feeling, I really like Latiri's game. Um, but we haven't seen enough of it at the pro level to really make a judgment call. And same with the two European kids, because we, we, unless you follow the European leagues, you don't know much about them. Right. No, I'm certainly not following the Finnish league or the Swedish league in my spare time. Nope. Can't say. I mean, yeah. but but what I but you know you read, you look at the numbers, you talk to people, and 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 those two guys are obviously guys who. I don't necessarily want to call them late bloomers, but I, but I guess for, for this purpose, you would say that they, 
they they weren't on the radar to to you know to where they would get drafted when they were 18 but then you know then they played and then they developed and now they're good players and uh and and both of them were actually quite uh sought after uh players so um you know of those three i i think the two europeans obviously have a little bit more experience than than does lakiri uh but you're right they're all very similar um if I had to pick one just off the top of my head, and again, I haven't seen any of them really play other than in this preseason, uh, I would I would like Meskinen probably the most. But you know, just based on um, just you know reading about what he did in Finland. Um, but again, you know, is the Finnish league comparable to the American league? I mean, I I don't know those those questions. I can't answer. I don't I don't see enough of those games. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen as well, it seems like Meskinen would looks like he could make it the most out of the three. I mean, just from the preseason games, obviously I'm not there at practice like you are, but it seems like Meskinen kind of has a grasp of things over the other two. So I'm sure it'll be interesting to see one, uh, which one of them, if maybe all three, could end up being on the team at some point. But uh, shifting yeah, from forward you know, to maybe the team. Oh, actually, Colin, not opening no. night. Oh, you yeah. Do you, uh, do you think maybe, uh, for I mean, for opening night's sake, one of them could possibly. I do think that Meskinen has the best shot, though. I do agree with you there, though. But um, yeah, do you I think Lindquist? Would, so. would you make? Would you say he's two, maybe, or do you think Latiri kind of has a step on uh, Lindquist? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I mean, all I can tell you is that Lindquist had a really tough night on Monday in his first preseason. Game. You know, he, mm-hmm. he took three minor penalties and uh, in a row, actually. And, you know, one of them was a too many men penalty that he served. I don't know whether. In fact, he was the culprit. I think he had come out of the box and um, the penalty box, and I don't know if he was supposed to straight escape straight. He didn't, and I'm, so I don't know whose fault that was. Um, but uh, you know, but it, it was unfortunate for him that you know he got to sit in the box for three straight penalties. So that's a tough, tough way. Yeah, to of course. Start your uh, <laughs> you know your tenure with the yeah. Team. You know, mm-hmm. New coach and all that, so I don't, I, I, I don't know, but uh, you know, we'll have to see. You know, that'll play itself out. I think there are other things that they're, they're more concerned with. Um, you know, they've got to figure out who the goalie is. They've got to figure out. Um, they've got a, It seems like a, a lot of nice young defensemen that you know. I don't know that there's room for all of them. So they've got to figure a lot of stuff out before they start right. thinking about you know whether one of those three guys is going to be on the team. Right, and then once again, Colin, another great segue, because the next question is about the defense. <laughs> so, um, obviously, there is a battle here for the uh, sixth or seventh spot, uh, if they decide to carry seven with them. And also, obviously, you know, they bring in Adam McQuaid. You still have Mark Stahl. Neil Pionk's been impressing. Uh, so many, the defense seems like it's got so many moving parts this year with people not named Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, right. What are your feelings about the defense? Uh, do you think any of these young guys, say Libor Hayek, uh, Ryan Lindgren, uh, who could take that sixth or seventh spot? And do you think Neil Pionk has done enough that he is going to be back in the uh, top six for our defense this year? You know what? It's, as you mentioned, Pionk, I have to start there because I literally asked David Quinn that very same question a couple of days ago. Um, and essentially the answer was, no, he's got to make the team. You know, he, he, 
yes, he had, you know, he was really good at the end of last year. You got to remember though, guys, like when Pion came up and, and, you know, all the injuries and with the philosophy shift and guys, uh, you know, like being traded away and, and a lot of young guys playing, those games were essentially meaningless. So, uh, yes, he played, he has skills, he did some good things. They liked what they saw and, it, you know, and, and they know that he can play. Um, but you can't uh, just kind of put him on the team just because of what he did in those 20-odd games. You know what I mean? Like, it, he's yeah. got to prove it. He's got to still prove it. You know, yes, he played well enough to make the U.S. team for World Championships, which I think was a, was a real feather in his cap, a real nice accomplishment. But he's still got to prove it. He's still got to earn it. Uh, and there is a, a ton of, of uh, you know, competition. I mean, if you look at Tony D'Angelo last night, I thought he played really, really well. And I thought he played well in, Mon- in, in uh, New Jersey on Monday as well. So, I mean, like, that was a guy that I was kind of, you know, not really giving too much of a chance to make the team. But, you know, I mean, he played, he played back-to-back the first two games and, you know, didn't, didn't hurt his own chances. I mean, he played well enough to, to kind of keep himself in the, in the running and in the mix, uh, at least for now. Um, you know, although, um, you know, he was asked, Quinn was asked about him last night and, you know, he said some things that made me think, Oh, he's still young for a defenseman and things like that. That made me think that, well, maybe he's sort of still viewing D'Angelo as a guy who's going to, benefit by going to the minors. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. if, you, if you talk about like some of the young kids, you know, Hayek is the one whose name comes up most frequently as the prospect with the best chance to stick, you know, to, to force them to do course, something yeah. unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal favorite would be Lindgren, but um, because I like, I like his game, but, you know, you know, he had a good game last night, good preseason game last night, and he's done a lot of things that that the team really loves. The fact that he, you know, really, really, really kind of, you know, got serious and worked out and lost all that weight and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then, you know, last night I think he did everything you wanted him to do. He had a, you know, he obviously had an assist, but he also stepped in for, you know, for a teammate, you know, John Gilmore got punched in the face by a guy and, you know, Brandon Smith was right there to get up in that guy's face. And, you know, that's, that's an element that, that, you know, this team certainly lacked last year was missing after he was gone. And so, you know, they'd love to have that element back in the lineup. So, you know, the long story short is, you know, with Brendan, if Brendan Smith makes the team and Adam McQuaid plays that way too, then maybe, you know, there's no spot for a guy like Ryan Lindgren. So I would mm-hmm. say that Lindgren's probably not going to make the team. Hayek is, you know, we're being told is a two-way guy that kind of plays an all-around game. And so, yeah, I mean, if he if he knocks everybody's socks off, then they'll have to make room for him. But it's hard for me to see any of those guys making it because – you know, guys like D'Angelo, guys like John Gilmore, who was on the team at the end of last year as well. Um, you know, Rob O'Gara played well. Um, you know, these are these are guys who theoretically, uh, not theoretically, they're in the mix as well. So there's just a lot of guys for those prospects to sort of beat out in order to claim a spot. 
I mean, let's let's look at it. If you if you just look at it, you know, who's a lock? Shattenkirk's a lock. Shea is a lock. Uh, Stahl is a lock, right? He played great last year. Plus, he makes so much money that you can't trade him. And McQuaid's yeah. a lock. So those four guys are locks, right? They're only going to keep seven max, right? Right. So you got three spots after those four. You know, I, I have to see on Clayson, but he spent the whole year in Ottawa and he played with Eric Carlson. And everybody tells me he's, you know, he's not a lock, but he's close to a lock, right? Uh, yeah. And then Pionk, you mentioned, you know, played so great again. Not a lock. You know, they wanted to earn it. But you got to figure he's going to have to he's play gotta his way go. out of it, right? Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's, he's got to let go. Probably very close. Um, and then, you know, Brendan Smith, we know they want him to make the team. And he's done everything so far to this point that they've asked him to do. So, again, unless something happens, you got to figure he's got a real good shot to make the team. So, now, that's seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's seven, yeah. not including Hayek. It's not including Lindgren. It's not including Gilmore D'Angelo or my, you know, my Long Island guy, Rob Agar. So, so you, you just mentioned the, tough, the toughness, excuse me, from Brendan Smith last night, um, something which was missing, and then the Rangers brought in Cody McLeod, who, shall we say, was not the favorite of the Rangers uh, universe online. Uh, but then they brought him back, and Rangers fans were really not happy when that happened. But, you know, they when they traded with Boston at the deadline, uh, they brought in Matt Bolesky as the throw-in, He's trying to make the team. So my feeling is you bring in McLeod as a as a cheap version of Bolesky with obvious uh, impediments on the ice, number one being his skating. Um, but Bolesky is going to be the guy that's going to give you more night in and night out. So when you're talking about the forwards and having that, that grit, that willingness to go punch someone who just punched, who just punched your teammate. Um, which of those guys do you think has the best shot of making the team? Well, I don't know who has the best shot of making the team. I, I would tell you that if it was me, I would take Bolesky. Um, but understand that Cody McLeod, I think, has a relationship with David Quinn. So, um, you know, I think they, they coached them somewhere in the past and, in the minors, maybe or uh, or think, something like that. I think that. in Colorado. I think yeah. In Colorado. So yeah. So they 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 have a relationship there. Uh, I was as I was as I don't want to say confused, but I was as surprised as anyone when they re-signed McLeod. I really was. I you know, again, having just witnessed those twenty odd games that I that I covered, um, you know, I didn't see anything out of Cody McLeod that would make me say, yeah, we got to have this guy. Um, you know, he looked to me like a guy that's done this for a long time and, 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 and maybe, you know, I don't know if he really wants to do it so much anymore. I mean, it's not the easiest role to play in, in hockey, you know, where you're, you're fighting people. Um, you got to get up for that, you know, and you got to deal with, you know, you're not getting a ton of ice time and all that kind of stuff. It's an interesting role. Um, and I, and I think when you get older and you've made some money and you've, done it for a long time you know your desire to do that 
isn't as great as, as when you're trying to break in. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, let's see what happens um, between those guys uh, in this camp. Um, I mean, there's a possibility certainly that neither one of them makes it. I mean, you could look at it and say, well, if we have McQuaid and we have Brendan Smith, um, you know, we might could get away with that. Um, but yeah, no, if you're asking me which one I would choose, I would choose Bolesky. Now, I think Bolesky's a better player. I mean, he scored a goal last night. Um, and, uh, you know, he happened to be on ice when somebody, you know, took a liberty with one of his teammates and, you know, he made sure to get in there and step up and let the guy know that he didn't appreciate that. And, and I think that he'd be willing to do that. And, you know, if you're going to play that role, it, it certainly helps if you're a decent skater, uh, decent enough to, you know, take a regular fourth line shift. You know, if you, if you have a guy that, and I've seen this in, in teams that I covered in the past, you know, where you carry that guy on the bench just to have him in the lineup against teams that, you know, you, you think you need him against, but you don't trust him enough to give him, you know, eight minutes of ice time, you know, so he plays two or three or five shifts. Um, you know, if you have a guy who's maybe not as devastating a fighter but can play ten shifts, isn't that a better bet? You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I would, mm-hmm. I would, I would go with Bolesky, like you. So obviously, that's going to be a battle worth monitoring for the rest of camp to see if one or if none of them make the team. But it's going to be an interesting right. battle to shape up. You know, battles everywhere. But I mean, this is what happens when you go through a rebuild. Young guys want jobs. The veterans want to show they still belong. So. I'm sure it's going to be interesting to follow as this goes along. But uh, next question. Yeah, I mean, though, there's a handful of battles. It's not like every job is open, you know. I mean, again, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, because Jeff Gordon has said, and, you know, just, just you know, I, I got to put this out there. I mean, like, we've asked Jeff Gordon, you know, you're rebuilding, you know, uh, are you just going to be young everywhere? He's like, no, we're not going to have 2018 year olds, you know. I mean, yeah, you're not going to have all your guys. guys. For the fire. Yeah. No, yeah. no. You got to have some vets in there to protect the young guys, to teach the young guys. And, you know, I mean, from the looks of it, you know, you still have Zuccarello, you still have, you know, Hayes and all these guys. So, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like it's, there's not a ton. I mean, they say every job's open, but the reality is, is, is that there's only a handful of jobs that are open. Right. You, you, not Obviously not every job, but there's certain battles that are going to be very cool to monitor as this goes on, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the biggest storylines going into this season, and I guess for a little while, I guess since it doesn't look like it's going to uh, be solved anytime soon, is that the Rangers have been without a captain since Ryan McDonough was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning in February. Um, right. Obviously, you see them day in and day out. You know who is – Speaking up at the practices, you see what goes on on the ice. Uh, obviously, David Quinn and them have said the captain will work itself out and a captain will emerge from the group. It's very early on, but has anyone kind of taken that role on as a vocal leader or an on-ice leader that you could potentially see? Or maybe this is one or two guys even that could be in the running to be the next captain of the New York Rangers. Well, I mean – there's a number of guys I think that, that could be good captains. Um, but there's always, but there's a, but with, with most of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, my favorite is probably Mark Stahl because I think he's the, you know, the longest tenured guy, not named Lundquist. Um, but 
you know, this is a guy who makes a lot of money. He's at the you know the back end of his career. He did have a bounce back year last year, but apparently, but he but he was did not have a good year the year before. You know, he's a candidate to be bought out. You know, not this year, but maybe next year or you know whenever whenever. Well, maybe even next year, yeah, because they do have a bunch of um, defense prospects, and they may want to make some some room um, for one or, or or more of those guys. So I mean, it's it's entirely possible that that. Stall could be here this year and then you know not here next year. So I you know do you do you have a captain just for one season or do you want to pick a guy that you know is going to be or you're fairly confident is going to be around for a little while? If so, it's not Stall. It's not Zuccarello, right? Um, so taking those two out of the, the equation, my favorite then would be Kreider. I, I really like Kreider. I think he's a He's a vocal guy. Uh, I love the way he plays. You know, he, he drives to the net with abandon. Um, so that would be my favorite. Um, but, you know, it remains to be seen. I think the job's still there to be won. I mean, the Banajad is is trying to be a leader. And, and uh, Jesper Fast, you know, they like quite a bit um, in terms of the way he plays and the way he conducts himself. You remember Monday night when, you know, Boo uh, Nieves got hit by uh, was it Eric Griba in New Jersey? Yes, um, mm-hmm. Fast was the one that went up to him. Now the play was still going on. It's not like he dropped the gloves and started pounding on the guy, but he did go up to him and and said something to him while play was going on. So I, I, I saw I noticed that. So I mean that's the kind of thing that you know that's leadership right there. You know what I mean? Like you're doing what you can do and you're just uh, making sure that everybody. You know, nobody takes liberties with your guys and stuff. So, I, you know, that kind of thing, I think, goes a long way. So there there are candidates, but there's no sort of obvious candidate, you know. Like, I mm-hmm. think when McDonough was, was made the – when when Ryan Callahan was a captain, I think he was pretty much the obvious candidate. And when McDonough was the captain, I think he was pretty much the obvious candidate. I don't think they have an obvious candidate. Now, you know, like I said, you know, I like Stahl and I like Kreider. Um but I don't think that those guys, either of those guys is sort of, you know, a no brainer. So, and the question is, do you you need a captain? You know, I mean, if you have a, if you have a leadership sort of council and group mm -hmm. and look, Kreider and Zabanajad, you know, they play on the same line, they locker next to each other. I mean, they are really, really tight, you know, and that could be a partnership. I mean, so like, uh, if you have those two guys, do you really need one guy or, or can you, can you do it with, you know, sort of a group of guys, you know I mean? Mark Stahl has a role in this too. I mean, like, you know, a lot of the young defensemen look up to him. Um, you know, Brady Shea could be a captain, but he's probably, I mean, you know, he's not ready to be a captain yet, but I mean, mm-hmm. he's, mm-hmm. he's the one guy that, that is, you know, signed long-term and you know, you, you know, you don't know, but you're, fairly confident is going to be here for a while. So that's a guy that you could look at, but I don't think for this year. So Colin, you mentioned Jesper Foss. I've always said that uh, if the Rangers had 20 Jesper Foss, they'd be better off than with uh, a few guys who are a little bit more lackadaisical on the ice and, mm-hmm. and try and let their skill do everything for them. But speaking of skill guys, um, Mika and and Pavel Buchnevich and Chris Kreider have been the fan favorite line for the last uh, two seasons. Two seasons now, when everyone's been healthy, 
Um, do you think that line will stick together uh, throughout the season as the number one line? And part two, did you find out what that celebration was after the Buchnevich goal last night? <laughs> no, I, I did not. So part two of your question, I did not find out what that celebration was. I'm sorry about that. It just, just didn't think of it. Uh, and listen, look, lines to me are just not – it's 82 games. You know, it's six and a half months. Uh, you know, what is a line on opening night is not necessarily going to be a, not a line throughout the season. So I don't really too, too much worry about it. The one – you know, Kreider and, and, and Zabadzad are going to be together – um, and yeah, I mean, Buchnevich, uh will probably be the first guy up, but I like Faust with, with those other two guys. I mean, I think they had some success playing together um, late last season. Again, I, I, I said earlier that, you know, those games were all meaningless and Buchnevich wasn't playing well and he was somewhat in the doghouse. And so Foss stepped up and, and, and I think, you know, he looked good with them and they with him. Um, you know, a little bit of defensive conscience that kind of allows the other two guys to go and do their thing. Um, so that's my own personal preference. If I have two guys, if I have one defensive conscience that, that I can put on a line and let the other two guys go, that's what I like. So I would, you know, if it's me, ultimately I think Foss makes a lot of sense with those other two guys. But, um, you know, I think either one of them will be fine. Uh, and to me, I'm, I'm much more interested in who's going to play with Hayes, who's going to play with Hedo. You know, I'm much more interested in that because those top line guys will take care of themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you say Fost, uh, Colin, because a lot of people already have Butchnevich pegged into that spot. But, you know, yeah. like, like I said, though, you see them a lot, and it's interesting to get that perspective of someone who's there and around the team. And I think Foss is actually an interesting combination that I personally didn't have penciled in, but I think it actually really work. Yeah, no, I, I just, just because I saw them last, you know, at the end of last year, they, they did that for a few games and, and it looked really good. Um, the other, you know, you, you know, to get back to the previous argument about the captains, you know, I mean, these, these are three guys that wear, you know, A's on their chest. So, I mean, would you, you know, would you have one line that has all three of your assistants, you know, all three of your alternates on, on it? Um, I don't know, but, uh, you know, whatever that means. Yeah, of course. Uh, so another battle shaping up as we keep moving along here, um, the backup goaltender. Um, a lot of people think it's uh, Alexander Georgiev's job to lose, but uh, have you seen anything else that can maybe say the contrary to that? Well, you know, it's it's too early to, to say, right? I mean, they to me it's the preseason games that, that you have to look at. Um, when they had seven goalies in practice, you had to look at practices, but, uh, now they have four. Um, and so it's the preseason games that I want to see. Uh, and then, you know, as we spoke about before the question of, as far as developing a young player, is he better off being here in a limited role or down in Hartford in uh, a major role? And that's Mm -hmm. the question that they have to, to address with Korgiev. Uh, Gorgiev is 22, um, and you know we know Lundqvist is is a guy who's going to want to play as much as he can play, right? So, uh, assuming he's going to start, you're going to start with 60 games and, and go upward from there. I don't know if he's a you know 75 game guy anymore, um, and there are injuries and all that. Uh, but you know you just don't know how much ice time 
a backup goalie is going to get when you have a Henrik Lundqvist in front of him. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you have a 22-year-old guy, is is he better served by going to the minors to, to play, you know, the bulk of the, the games there? Uh, and the question you – know, that's, so that's a question. The answer is I don't know. Um, now, uh, uh, Marek Mazanek played the other night and played mm-hmm. well in New Jersey. Um, Tokarski played fine last night. I don't think Tokarski was, was tested uh, as much as Mazanek was tested um, in New Jersey, right? Um, I, the thing that I find interesting, too, is Mazanek is a lefty. I, I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if it matters. Um, but it's you know it's a different look. It's like you know if you, if you, I I heard sometime years ago that Bill Belichick always has a left-footed punter, and mm-hmm. you know why is that? Because when the guy kicks the ball, you know it spins the other way, and it, you know it might lead to a a muffed catch somewhere along the line. So if you have a goalie that's backwards, you know, and a shooter's coming down the wing, and he forgets that the goalie's backwards, and he shoots to where he thinks that you know the the is the glove side and it's stick side, you know what I mean? It could confuse some people. Is it, you know, is it worth Ooh. one goal a year, a season? I, I don't know. Um, these are things that maybe I'm thinking too deep into it, but I, I think ultimately, that's interesting though. You don't hear people bring that kind of uh, argument up with goaltended handedness, but I think that's actually kind of interesting when you think about it. I like that kind of uh, perspective on it, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's just again. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that it that it means anything. It probably means nothing at all. But the other thing too is, I think he's a good puck handler. Um, so, and again, I don't know how much that matters in this in this game in this day and age. Um, you know, a guy that can skate out and, and you know stop the puck and handle it and make it make a, a pass. I, I don't know how much that matters. But I think he's from what I've seen. Um, he handles the puck better than any of them. So I don't know if that, you know, at, at the end of the day, they're probably going to pick the guy with the best save percentage in the exhibition games. So, you know, to be determined, they, you know, they've played two preseason games. They have four to go. Um, and, and that's, that's, you know, to be honest with you, that's one of the things that I, I was curious about is because Henrik has to get a certain amount of work to get him ready. And so mm-hmm. if he's playing half of three games, then you have three games and three, you know, you have, you have a limited amount of time for these other three guys to get in and, and sort of earn their, uh, earn the job. So we'll see. I mean, it's to be determined, you know, Henrik is, I'm sure not going to, they have, we have found out, but I'm sure that Henrik is not going to uh, Bridgeport on Saturday. Uh, you know, I would imagine that he'll probably play all three games at the garden and not go on the road. Um, so we'll probably get, the same two guys we got on Monday, um, mm-hmm. and they'll probably start uh, Mazanic, um and, and see how it goes. I mean, and, and we'll see what we get out of the, the other three guys, and, and you know, but but they've all looked good. Point. So, right. Um, no, that's actually really interesting. I, like I said about the handedness, and you know, you never know what I guess what the thought process is till the last round of cuts. There could be some surprises. Yeah. So. Definitely interesting, all all interesting things to think about as we move along here in training camp in the preseason. And uh, I guess my last question for you, Colin, it's kind of um, different from the other ones, but it's something I think should be addressed is a lot of, you know, uh, preview shows and preview magazines and preview things are coming out for the season. And a lot of them have the New York Rangers finishing close to the bottom. Um, you know, 
the roster turnover, the rebuild. It's just how people see the team, how, how they see the team unfolding as the season goes on. But my question to you is this, is obviously the players and management, they try to block these kinds of things out. Some of it probably seeps into them. From your time being with the team and your time seeing them, you know, seeing them practice, play games, whatever it might be, how are, do they let any of this seep in or are they just prepared to prove everyone wrong and have a surprising season? Like, what is the, I'm guessing the vibe isn't we're not going to do well. I'm curious to hear if they kind of let any of this affect them. And if they don't, do you think this team can really turn some heads and surprise people this year? I, you know, turn some heads and surprise people uh, on a nightly basis, you know, uh, yeah, I, sure. Um, I, look, there were five games under 500 last season. Now, you know, they got rid of a bunch of guys at the, at the trade deadline that, that aren't coming back. Um, but they also, you know, were down some defensemen, you know, Shattenkirk was hurt. Brendan Smith was in the minors. Um, and, and, and those guys are back now. Um, and they brought in Adam McQuaid, which is a nice little pickup, and Clayson too. Um, so I think that they should be about what they were last year in terms of record. I mean, a little bit under 500, let's say. And it depends on who else is doing what. Like, I don't know how good the Islanders are going to be, for instance. I mean, but they're not, you know, the Rangers are not going to be, they're not going to be Ottawa bad. You know what I mean? They're not going to be, uh, as bad as the Sabres were last year. They're not going to be as bad as Montreal is going to be. Um, so there are a lot of teams that are, that are really bad. I think the Rangers are not that bad. I just don't think that they're good enough. Um, ultimately, I don't think they're good enough to, to make a playoff spot, but I don't think they're far away. My, my bigger question is, you know, for them would be, you know, does it help you to finish – five points out of a playoff spot to finish in the, at the bottom end of the lottery, or would you be better served, you know, just tanking, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to say tanking. That, that's a bad word. That's a dirty word, but, 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 but <laughs> would you be better served, you know, getting rid of all, you know, some of these veterans and going yeah. a little bit younger than they're going to go and, and see basically, what happens. Basically you know? what you're saying is you don't want to be in that murky middle. You either want to be sure your yeah. team is good or you need to be yeah. bad enough to get the ping pong balls to go your way. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause if you, yeah. And, and you know, I know the NHL is different than the NBA, but you know, if you look at the NBA, that's what it's about, man. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't do you any good to, to be eighth. Now yeah. hockey's a little different because if you're eighth, you can always knock off a one. If your goalie gets hot, you know, something happens, you know, it doesn't happen in the NBA where eights beat a one. I think like this may be in the whole history of the NBA playoffs, two eights have won in the mm-hmm. first round, but in hockey, it happens, you know, a goalie gets hot or, you know, the other goalie gets cold or, you know, there's a key injury or something like that. Um, so yeah, you know, you get in it and, you know, you take your chances. But to me, I think it does you no good to finish ninth. I'll, give mm-hmm. you, I'll tell you a little story, right? So the first draft I covered was the 1990 draft, all right? Now, let me give you a little history lesson. That was, that was a draft that was thought to have five special players, right? Um, Owen Nolan, uh, Peter Nedved, uh, Keith Primo, Mike Ricci, and Yarmir Yager. 
Yager mm-hmm. was the wild card because Yager was playing in Europe and we didn't have like a central scouting bureau rating on him. But 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 it was mm-hmm. pretty well known that those five guys were can't miss. Well, the New York Islanders on the last night of the season they win a game in overtime to make the playoffs. Right? They knocked the Penguins mm-hmm. out of the playoffs on the last night of the season on an overtime goal. And they rejoiced, right? Because they hadn't been in the playoffs for a couple of years. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was great. You know, it was a wonderful thing. I mean, I remember thinking, oh, this is really great. It was my first year covering hockey. And, oh, how nice a story for the Islanders. Well, guess what? Then the draft came, and the Penguins had the fifth pick and got Yager. Uh, and, you know, I don't need to tell you how that turned out, right? The Islanders yeah, the absolutely, pick, of and course. And took a guy named Scott Sissons, who I don't know if he played a game in the NHL. You know, he may have played one. You know what I mean? So, to me, it doesn't do you any good to finish ninth or well, it's not ninth, but it's, you know, to, to finish outside yeah, of the playoffs. To, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would rather, if you're, if you're rebuilding, I would rather finish with the third or fourth worst record and yeah. have the best, you know, the best chance I can get. But that's me. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean, I recognize too, that there's a balance that and you don't want these kids coming up in a losing culture and you want them to think absolutely, that, absolutely. you know, that they're supposed to win. So, I mean, like, I get that. I, I totally get that. And I, and I, and I, and I, I you know, the players obviously are going to play to win. I mean, and, you know, guys like Kreider and Zuccarello and, you know, these guys are thinking, you know what, sleep on us, go ahead and sleep on us. We're going to, we're yeah. going to sting some people. We're going to make people hurt. And I, and I think that they're right. I think they're going to win some games that, you know, we're going to be surprised that they won. You know, they're going to beat some teams that we didn't think they could beat. But at the end of the day, if after 82 games, there are five games under 500 and out of the playoffs, you know, who's, you know, how, how does that help? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. And, you know, you can relate it to the fact that, you know, the past decade of Stanley Cup winners, you know, everyone's had a really high pick or a really high elite uh, offensive talent on the roster. And uh, to get that, you need a high pick in the draft. So you're absolutely right in saying that. So definitely it's going to be an interesting season, a season where I'm sure there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but judging from just this preseason, I mean, the team looks like they're not going to give anyone a free ride when they play them. They really look like they're sticking to that creed that David Quinn has on their uh, training camp shirts. Yes, no, and, and listen, it'll, it'll be a lot more interesting to watch, right? Because on a given night, you won't know, you, know, you won't be able to say, well, they're not going to win that, you know, because they could. And, and on a given night, you know, they're going to beat some people and, you know, we're going to have some fun. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I just think if you trust the process, like my buddies down in Philadelphia, you know, I think they're going to have a lot more fun in the, in, in the next few years after having gone through a, a real, you know, early period. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, so Colin, uh, one more for me. Um, so you mentioned Zuccarello a couple of times. Have you heard anything about, his uh, contract situation, because we've talked about it on the show before, where he wants to stay, but he, but he has to see what David Quinn's like and whether or not uh, he can get a commensurate value with how he feels he fits versus how he fits with the Rangers. And and has there any has there been any uh, talks about Zuccarello's status? Uh, no, no, I haven't heard anything like that. I mean, I'd be surprised to be honest with you. I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. And, um, he is still a good player, but again, you know, they're, they're stockpiling prospects. And at some point those prospects are going to have to, 
you know, they're going to have to open spots for those prospects. So, I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if, if Matt's is here. Um, and I know he's a fan favorite, and, and I like him too. He's a good guy and a good player. Um, but, you know, I, I would be surprised just looking at what they've done and how they've played it. You know, I mean, they had 10 draft picks at the draft, right? And I was pretty convinced that they were going to package some of those and, and trade and get somebody, you know, a name player and stuff. And they didn't, they, they picked 10 players, you know, <laughs> they mm-hmm. 10 players and, and only two of those 10 were at camp this year. Um, so, right. you know, I mean, a bunch of them, so it's six or so were, uh, European and, um, Keandre Miller, uh, is, is, is at Wisconsin. And then, uh, they picked a high school kid who's, I don't even know what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. he's going back for senior year or something. So, uh, they picked 10 guys and brought two of them to camp. You know what I mean? So, like, they're really focused on the future. Um, they're they're not looking at now. They're not looking at next year. They're looking down the road. So, the I future. would think. Yeah. yeah, I would think that, uh, you know, some of these guys are going to get moved out to, to make room for some of the guys that are coming up. And I would think that Matt's is, um, you know, quite likely going to be one of those guys. Right. By the way, if you're, t- if you're talking about uh, Riley Hughes – yeah. That last pick, he's in uh, Junior A. So he's in a lower lower tier of uh, junior hockey in Canada. Yeah, because he was uh, – uh, uh, I was think he was our last debating pick. Debating what to do. Yeah, he was debating what to do, whether he'd you know, go back and play his last year of high school and, you know, or not. And uh, I just right. – uh, you know, I haven't really kept up with it. But good for him. Good yeah. for him. Colin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It means a lot that you came on to, to talk Rangers with us, and we wish you nothing but luck the rest of the season uh, and the rest of your career covering the New York Rangers. All right, I'll take that, man. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a thank you so much Colin. for coming on. All right, take care, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. All right, bye. <clears throat> so, Zach, I think that was really awesome to get that kind of perspective uh, from someone who is around the team on a daily basis. I mean, they see the practices, they see the coaching staff, they see what these guys are going through. And I think it was really, really cool to talk to Colin, you know? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a uh, great, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Colin, for, uh, accepting my DM request. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we could, so we can make this happen. Um, but yeah, you know, it's always interesting when you talk to, you know, obviously we'd love one day, uh, if the Rangers would allow us to have a player come on, but uh, yeah, having, yeah, the beat, having having the beat writers uh, come on like Colin and uh, like we had Jim Cerny uh, last year um, help preview the season, it really gives you a whole different uh, perspective, not just on on the way the team's going, but on the culture and and how and how the day to day stuff goes around the uh, Blue Shirts. Absolutely. And, you know, we do what we can to get you guys as best and up-to-date information as we can. Uh, we're bloggers, but we feel like we do a really good job at it. Hopefully one day the Rangers will, uh, you know, extend an invitation to certain blogs to get into the garden and be in that press box. But until that time, it's nice that we, like Zach said, that we have guys like Colin and people like Jim Cerny that are willing to come on and discuss what they see on a day-to-day basis. So uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week on Forever Blue Shirts Radio. We will be back uh, probably opening week of the season to discuss the opening night lineup, to discuss uh, who's getting the letters this season officially, and uh, our predictions for who could possibly lead the team in scoring, who will be our most impact rookie, and so on. So 
Once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Zach, for joining me this week. And one more huge Wait, thank you Ross, to Colin Stevenson. Oh, yeah. We didn't give our predictions for the season. Oh, we have to, but it is a, it is a preview in. show. That's no, true. Preview show. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, God, I said this during the Metro Division preview last week, and I don't think it's changed since then. Uh, I do foresee this team finishing eighth in the Metro. Um, seventh or eighth, we don't know how bad the Islanders are going to be. But uh, I think, like Collins said, it's going to be a necessary eighth in a way that we get as many ping pong balls as we can in uh, the draft and hopefully get a chance at drafting either Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, Alex Newhook, Alex Turcott, or Dylan Cousins come uh, June. Yeah, I uh, I don't know as much about next year's draft as, as you do, obviously, but uh, I don't see this as being a a Stanley Cup winning season uh, for the Rangers this year. I also think they'll be in the bottom of the Metro. Um, where they finish in the conference, you know, take your pick of anywhere from 10 to 15. Uh, like, like Colin said, they won't be the Senators, or as I lovingly refer to them as the Mets of the NHL. Um <laughs> And uh, that's kind of my my prediction with them. I don't know how, you know, the 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 ping pong balls are going to fall. We don't know, you know, what else is going to happen around the rest of the league. But as far as what the Rangers can take care of themselves, I don't see them being any higher than tenth in the conference. Yeah, I I I, I would tend to agree. So once again, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, like I said, we'll be back opening week of the season, which is coming up very soon. And one more huge thank you to Colin Stevenson for joining us today. Uh, Colin, once again, we wish you the best of luck covering the team. And thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you when the puck drops opening night. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today media group. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. 
What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets.